From Connext Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. Atlanta Born and Brand is a show all about businesses that are being built right here in the capital of the South. But more importantly, it's a show about their founders. We wanted to find some of the city's most interesting entrepreneurs and creators, hear about their challenges, successes, and how they built a brand that will last. Maybe most importantly, we want to introduce these founders, brands, and businesses to the city they live in, their neighbors, to make sure Atlanta and those brands that call it home can thrive for generations to come. We've all had that friend. You can probably picture them well. They're the funny one of the bunch, and at one point or another, you probably thought to yourself, they should do stand-up comedy without giving it much thought. Our guest today knows that it isn't quite that easy. Joel Byers is a Georgia native and a rising star in Atlanta's growing comedy scene. But overnight success is not the norm in the comedy world, and we talked to Joel about turning his passion for comedy into a thriving business and a brand that makes an impact. Born in Somerville, Georgia, okay. uh, Sumville, as it's yep. pronounced up yonder, Yep. but uh, there was a lot of meth there, so my mom moved us to Atlanta where there's Adderall, and um, uh. Atlanta pretty much my entire life. Okay. You know, I love the city. I love what you guys are doing here because you guys are tapping into like a spirit of the city sure. that I think really deserves to be celebrated like you're doing. Cause I love the city. You know, I went to school in Tennessee, but since moving back, I've been pursuing comedy here and mm-hmm. I just, I'm a fan of the city just as much as I am just anywhere. When was it that you first knew, okay, I'm going to pursue comedy as something that I do for a career? Senior year of college, uh, second semester, I realized I'm graduating with a liberal arts degree and have nothing else to lose because I lost all my money. So comedy was something that was always in the back of my brain. You know, it's just all like just thing like if you could do one thing, what would it be? It's like, I'd be a chameleon, but that's not a thing, you know, and it really took me till senior year of college to realize, oh, well, why not? You know, like literally at this point, you know, pressure makes diamonds. So it was coming down to I'm graduating. What am I going to do with my life? And then it just finally had fermented enough in the back and it just rolled forward. It's like, here it is. And since since I did it, February 1st, 2010, since I did my first stand up set, it was almost just like almost like men in black. Like it just (laughs) zaps your brain and you don't remember anything. I don't like remember anything before that it's just been comedy since then so one of those things that you knew pretty quickly this you were in it for the long haul oh as soon as soon as i did it and you hear that with a lot of comedians where as soon as they do comedy then there's no turning back right like brian regan i think he my favorite of all time by the way i think he dropped out of college like the week of graduation to pursue (laughs) comedy because he did it once and was like yeah and he was like oh never mind this is it Wow. It, it's like a, it's a complete just mind shift. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you hear horror stories, I think, from people who have that thought and then six months in they realize kind of what they got into. Um, what was the, the beginning of that ride like for you? I guess right after you graduate college and, and you figure out, okay, here's the ins and outs of what I have to do if I want to be successful in this thing. Yeah, well, it's living at home. It's working, it's uh, delivering pizzas, it's do, being a dishwasher, it's being um, a hotel mini bar attendant, it's being a driver helper at UPS. Uh, I think the most glamorous job I had was Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Oh my gosh. But 
That's, that's such a bad job. <laughs> I'm sorry if anybody's listening that works there, but you know it as well. It's so bad. But what it takes is being at work at 7 a.m., working till 5 or 6, going out and doing shows till like midnight or 1, waking up, repeat. Right. That's what it took. And I've always been, you know, I grew up in a house of educators and I've always been thirsty for knowledge. So anywhere I go, I'm always looking to learn something. So in comedy, it was always asking older comedians, any advice? What'd you learn? How'd you do this? Yeah. And the number one piece of advice I was getting was just live on stage. Just you got to stay on stage. So I just from hearing older comedians that I respected tell me that I was like, oh, okay, well, then that's that's the formula. You just have to live on stage. So some people, you know, I mean, some people can handle Vegas, I guess, you know, but that's part of the grind of a comedian is you just live on stage for free a lot. Yeah. What were, uh, what was your first, uh, first on stage gig? The first on stage gig was at side splitters in okay. Knoxville, Tennessee, which has, um, closed since then. I don't know why there was only five people at the show when I did it. So I don't know why they closed, but <laughs> it was there like five people. Three of them were the staff, but it was, it was in like the side room of the club. It was literally like five, maybe 10 people. If I'm going to brag to the audience. <laughs> and I, I remember, I mean, I didn't like, I didn't kill. It wasn't like an overwhelming response, but I remember people smiling Yeah, and I was just like, Oh, okay, I can do this. And it's a good sign. It was a good sign, yeah. Right. And it's been comedy ever since. Joel took the dive into the life of a stand-up comedian. Now it was about finding his own voice and fit into the comedy community. He found inspiration in some of the legends of comedy and in the ever more popular Atlanta comedy scene. Steve Martin was probably number one. Um, I uh, My mom sent me while I was in school his book on tape, Born Standing Up. So she sent me that and then a book like stand-up comedy writing. And so Steve Martin was always number one. The first comedian I ever saw, like on television, from my memory, was uh, Sinbad. <laughs> it was afros and bell-bottoms, and he's in like his jumpsuit with his earrings. Yep. And I just remember he was good at characters and personifying. And he was the one, I guess, taught me the performance side. And Steve Martin was just just the uniqueness and really finding your unique right. voice in comedy. How long did it take you to do that? I'm curious because you have a you do have a unique style, and I'm wondering <laughs> is that something that you were kind of natural uh, with early in your career? Or is it something that you kind of honed and perfected over time? Yeah, it, something I talked to about in my comedy classes is that comedy is a language, hmm. so it's kind of like learning any other language. The more you do it, the better you get. The more fluent you are in it, right? And you learn comedy, the language of it, by being on stage, really. Sure. So the more you do it, the more you're on stage, the more you find that voice. Um, early on, every comedian sounds like their favorite comedian when they start. Uh, right. Mine was Mitch Hedberg. I sound like Mitch Hedberg. I was very monotone, very low energy. But there was always, glim there was always a glimpse of me every now and then that right. would kind of come out. But it just takes years and years of forging that sword sure. for it to become like a usable weapon. Exactly. Every picture is a picture of you when you were younger. <laughs> a little Mitch Hedberg is for the audience there. That's one of my favorites. But He's so good. It's so good. So unique. Yeah, pour one out for him. Um, <laughs> all right, Joel. So you, you get into it. You're working these odd jobs to mm -hmm. stay on your feet, to help mom and dad pay the bills. <laughs> you're, you're playing the comedy game at night. Um, mm -hmm. Did you have a... 
uh, a moment early on in your career? Was it a, you know, a fuller room than you had experienced before where you're just like, wow, this is this part of my career is getting some legs and I can really start to see kind of the fruits of my labor. I would say the show that comes to mind actually gave me goosebumps. Now that I even like just reminisced on it was I did a church show in front of 1800 people and it's a lot. It's like, cause you could do an open mic in front of 10 and if it goes well, you're buzzing for like days. Yeah. I, I, I'm like still riding the high from this show. Like just the amount of energy that you receive from that many people and how you can hear laughter grow and start in one spot of the room and then it spreads across and it's like yeah. it comes in waves and like that was the first probably experience where I was like oh okay I've done this at a level of open mic or some comedy clubs mm-hmm. with some people but be able to rise to the occasion in front of 1800 people sure. really kind of gave me that extra boost of kind of the growth mindset of what is actually possible in the game yeah Tell me about the comedy scene in Atlanta in and of itself. What's it like? Mm-hmm. Uh, what have your experiences been like? What are some of the, the hot spots that maybe people who aren't as familiar with the industry should, should go and check out? Oh, man. Atlanta comedy is it's pretty much up next. Like In terms of industry standards, there are so many comedians from Atlanta who are now on The Daily Show where they're having a Comedy Central special or they're wow. writing on an Amazon show or they have Netflix specials or HBO. Like... A lot of the comedians in front of the camera, but also behind the camera, are now from Atlanta. <laughs> so people are coming to Atlanta for the comedy talent. Yeah. But the best part about the scene also is that they have awesome comedy fans. So when you go to a show, most of the shows, there are people there that are there to see comedy. Sure. So I encourage everyone listening. I mean, there's... There's comedy clubs all over the city, wherever you live. You know, on the north side, there's Atlanta Comedy Theater. Midtown, there's Laughing Skull. On the south side, there's Uptown Comedy, uh, Punchlines, and Buckhead. But there's also so many great independent shows going on yeah. here. At, I mean, you pretty much can look up a brewery in Atlanta, and there's going to be a comedy show <laughs> happening at it at some point. And we seem to have a lot of those lately. Yes. A brewery pops up every <laughs> eight and a half seconds. Yeah, in, yeah. these days. So there, there are so many shows. Like, the best part about doing comedy in Atlanta and developing here is you can perform multiple times a night <laughs> and get on stage that much. So there's countless shows. I mean, if I were to recommend one, there's... I mean... Uh, there's this game show at Laughing Skull. It's the last Saturday of every month. Um, it's hosted by Joel Bi- Joel Byers. Joel Byers. I heard he's on Atlanta Born and Brand. I right. heard he had a great interview on there. Right. And um, a lot of people reached out to him wanting to just give him money for free. But um, I host the game show every month at Laughing Skull okay. at the last Saturday of every month, which is kind of a unique twist where there's three comedian contestants and there's sponsors that do giveaways and things like that. Sure. So anybody interested in being a sponsor of it, holla at your boy. Is it an improv style show? What's the format of the, of the show? It's three rounds of games. Okay. Um, they're s- loosely improvised, but based have structure around them. Okay. So it's guided improvisation. Right. Because sometimes you just you never know what you're going to get with improv. Yep. So you can do the guided improv. It kind of helps ensure sure. that it's entertaining. Funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Always a good thing for comedians to be yeah. funny. And the, exactly. the first few have sold out, so we're hoping That's to awesome. keep building it like that. So yeah. you said last Saturday of every month. At Laughing Skull Lounge, yeah. Obviously, this show being Atlanta Born and Brand, mm-hmm. one thing we're kind of hugely interested in is these sort of identities and brands that people are building 
I want to hear about your brand, the hot breath and how that, uh, (laughs) how that first started to come about and kind of what the steps were to, to starting to build that. Well, uh, it, the, the timing of this interview cannot be better because I've just, and I think this is a tip really for um, comedians or any creative person is first get good at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to sell yourself before you have a product worth selling, you know? Sure. Because especially now, internet and everything's so microwave, people want to be famous before they're even good. A lot of fake it till you make it. Yeah. yeah. So like it, I've been doing comedy seven, uh, no, sorry, nine years now as of yeah. February 1st. And probably not until seven years in did I not start to think about, okay, what is my message and what is my brand and sure. what am what do I have to offer that's unique and how can I help people? So that's just a little sidebar on just get good first. Right. And then worry about how can I sell my five minutes of material? Mm. You know, just get good first. Yeah. So Hot Breath grew, that's my podcast, and it grew from Atlanta comedy, actually. Like, how many of you guys are growing from Atlanta? It all sparked from Atlanta comedy. That year, there were 10 comedians on NBC's Last Comic Standing. Yep. Um, that year, an Atlanta comedian won it. The previous year, an Atlanta comedian won it. So I was like, oh, Atlanta comedy's onto something. Right. So it started out as just being a time capsule of this moment in Atlanta comedy. It's <laughs> where I interviewed all 10 of those comedians. And it kind of just rolled it out as like season one of like, oh, here we go. You sure. know, just a little time capsule and then took a little bit of a break and then realized, oh, well, that was fun. How else? Let me interview other comedians. Yeah. So I started interviewing other comedians and it's now grown. And in finding your brand identity, you know, we do we do take some detours. And at one time I was like, maybe it's not Atlanta comedy. Maybe it's Atlanta. So I did interview people like you guys have, like Scott Fuller. From yeah. Studio Temporary and uh, right. Michael Tavani as well, who you guys interviewed. So, yes. And they're great people to learn from, but I could have framed the interviews with comedy in mind. So like mm-hmm. now when I interview a graphic designer, I'm like, okay, this is all coming from the comedian perspective. Sure. So I still learn from people outside the comedy world, but it's all still geared towards comedy overall. Right. So now the tagline is your weekly guide to comedy mastery. So every week I'm interviewing comedians, releasing them every Monday at 8 a.m. All about the craft of comedy and just what their expertise is, is what I like to do when I research people is what are they really good at? And then how can I extract as much information about how they got good at that and how other people can get good at that? But it's all education. Yeah. That's what I've learned in my overall brand of Joel Byers, really is it's all education. You know, I, I guess my pedigree is coming from educators. So I teach comedy classes. I do workshops. I'll even do podcast workshops. Um, I hosted a show in Decatur for like seven years, but at Java Monkey, which just recently caught on fire. So that one went away. But <laughs> it wasn't me. I had several people <laughs> ask me that. Like, no. So it's it, the Joel Byers brand overall is just educated entertainment. So I want, whenever, whenever I hear people think Joel Byers, I want them to think I'm going to laugh, but I'm also going to learn. Right. Mm-hmm. And hot breath in particular. Yeah. How did, that, how did that name surface? You know, I was a fan of Fresh Air mm-hmm. on NPR. So I was just brainstorming names of like, well, what's, what, what's a quick hitter like Fresh Air? Right. And then... Hot breath just stuck. And I don't, I mean, our first tagline was caffeinate your ears. I don't even know what that means. I wasn't even thinking of branding back then. I was just like, what's a cool, catchy name? Yeah. And then now 
when I pl- when I tell people at a show, I'm like, hey, I have a podcast called Hot Breath. Everyone laughs, and I was like, well, oh, I guess it connects with people somehow. Yeah, <laughs> it really really was no no group think around how what is our name gonna be and what is the strategy. You didn't go to the naming agency no. where you paid like ten grand to, <laughs> to give you Hot Breath. <laughs> no, it was That's... all just like, hey, what does what does my instinct tell me? All right, right, let's go with it. You mentioned your classes mm-hmm. and uh, and the podcast. In traditional comedy, you know, you talked about having to have those sort of mundane jobs to help pay the bills and get you through. You're sort of, it seems like you're finding a a way that maybe comedians haven't explored in the past to, okay, how do I take what I'm doing on stage at night and continue to support that while still getting better and learning more at my craft? Is that, has, have those things allowed you to kind of take a step back from, you know, the dishwashing or, or whatever it might be to, to really focus in on what it is you're trying to build. Oh yeah. I'm full-time comedy now. Like That's this, awesome. is, this is my profession. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm so grateful for that, you know, thanks to my wife who also has a job that helps. Yes. But I mean, this is like a sustainable for a while it was in the red and then it was breaking even. But before I le- before I jumped in full-time, I had saved up, I saved up $10,000 this did also include living over on Boulevard, pre-Pont City Market, <laughs> pre-gentrification, uh-huh. in a studio, yep. in the basement of a building. But it was those kind of sacrifices, but just being mindful of the long-term vision. Right. So I saved up a, a nest egg before I just leapt into it. And now it's, now it's working out, but it took several years for me to even start sure. to break even on it. So my goal with... What I'm doing with Joel Byers and Hot Breath is kind of giving comedians a community to where they can learn from each other's mistakes so they can develop faster. And like, you know, the grind is part of it. And that failure on stage and doing the open mics at 1 a.m. and all that, like that's all necessary. But a lot of comedians can have like the broken toy like mindset where it's just me and I'm the, uh, there's no real sense of community. So I like the hot breath to be like almost like a town center, like a town sure. hall for comedians to come and learn from each other and also connect with fans, but really just helping comedians suck less <laughs> is my goal. Everybody's trying to do comedy now. If I can have my hand in helping there be better comedy, right. then I've done my job. Or weeding out the, the suck. Or people just quitting, yeah. <laughs> you, you give them that dose of reality where it is like, oh, you gotta do three shows a night for years. Oh, yeah. cool. I'll go to the next thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So we follow you on Instagram, obviously. Hey. And, and that Instagram story <laughs> is is living proof that your my favorite thing you do on there is the hashtag we made it. <laughs> That's resonates with people. It's I don't my know. <laughs> favorite thing because I think it was the other night, you know, I don't, were you in Dothan, Alabama? I did go to Dothan. You yeah, did. I but did. it's just that reminder that Hey, like even, what is it, nine years in, like you mm-hmm. said, like paying your dues in this industry is a real thing. Oh my gosh. Like, and, and it seems like it's one of those just non-negotiables that you're going to have to polish a few, pardon my language, turds <laughs> to, to get through it. I mean, is that kind of where that's coming from? Are you saying, are you saying yes to some things that, you know, the minute you agree to it, you're just kind of like. What did I just sign up for? I'm game for anything now. I'm at a point now to where it's just, oh, this is part of the job. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, last Friday I was at a moose lodge. 
in front of literally like 12 people on yep. a Friday night and it was smoky and like the audience was arguing about who was better Smyrna or Mableton. And I was like, I don't even know what's going on here, but I'm sure I have relatives in here somewhere. <laughs> so like, you know, nine years in, I'm sitting here on a Friday night in front of 12 people telling jokes. I mean, that's, that's the reality of it. And mm -hmm. I've, I've never lost sight of that. And I think that's important for comedians to understand is a, um, a comedian I've interviewed, uh, Rodney Perry, who's been in the game over 20 years. I saw him out at like a, a rough open mic one night early on in my career. And I was like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm a comic, man. <laughs> it's like, this is what we do. Yeah. So like at every level, no one's immune to gigs. I guess until maybe you're on like a Brian Regan level. And then he's like, maybe I won't go to the Moose Lodge. But like <laughs> from what I've learned in interviewing, doing over like 170 interviews with like professional comics is yeah. like, yeah, you you go where the work is. Right. <laughs> Talk to me about the writing side. Is that something that came naturally for you or is that something that you kind of had to, to really train yourself to, to get a little better at? Yeah, it's a muscle. Writing is a muscle. And the more you use it, the stronger you get and the better you get. So starting out, I was all one-liners. <laughs> just going back to the Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. Like I was all one-liners, just quick misdirects. But I think one-liners, and the, the book I, it was like a Greg Dean book, I think like stand-up comedy writing, but that was all about one-liners, which is important to first understand the mechanics of a joke, how to set up a joke, and then how to do the punchline, which right. is the misdirect. So I think that's, I've heard it described as like that, the, the one-liners, like the scales, if you think about it in music, like that's just kind of the foundation of humor. So I'm glad I started there. But now it has since grown and evolved into more conversational and a little more anecdotal and yeah. not just trying to be funny for the sake of funny, you know? Right. But writing is another one of those things you just... I, I'll sit down and write, though. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of comedians will try to pontificate and be like, it's just magic. And I was like, oh, how's that magic going? And you <laughs> see them out bombing. But everybody has a different process yeah. for creating and finding. But I know... If I don't do the writing off stage, then I don't have as much confidence on stage. Yeah. How does it normally come to you the best? Is it when you just kind of tuck yourself in a room and say, okay, I'm going to do some writing? Or is it, you know, the the organic, you're out at the grocery store and you see something you think is funny and that leads to a, you know, a solid joke? Yeah, it's all based on life, really, and like experiences and... Um, you know, when I was a dishwasher or living off Boulevard, I got great material from both of those just in my experiences. You don't say. In, yeah. <laughs> what'd you say? You don't say. You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> or going to college, like I mentioned, a liberal arts degree and all right. that. Like I got, I've got great material out of that as well. So I do base it on my life personally, but yeah. I find the writing off stage gives me the confidence to explore on stage. Sure. So it's almost like I have something to talk about. So I'm not up on stage going word for word from what I've written, but it just kind of puts me in that writer's mindset of, I have something I want to talk about. Let me see if I can find more funny points of it mm -hmm. while on stage. Do you have any moments where you came close to, to giving it up, doing something else? No, no, it's always been, I mean, it's, there have been struggles, but there, there was never a point where I was like, like, Oh, I don't know. This may not be it. Right. And part of that, maybe I always had a supportive, like family was always supportive of me and friends were always supportive of me. 
and it's it's just been in my DNA like since I was I was like I was like a child and my mom tells me this story I don't remember but there was like a church play where I stole the mic from the lady and just started like blah 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 into the microphone and that was my first gig I guess <laughs> so it it's always been ingrained in me yeah it's always been in my DNA so when you when you love it and when you pursue your passion all that work is totally worth right. it you know the the stuff that might seem you know tedious and and kind of in the weeds to other people is just part of what you do and part of what you enjoy. Yeah, and I've adopted this mindset to where if something goes bad, I'm like, oh, something good's on the horizon. Yeah. Like if I if I bomb, which no one's immune to bombing. I mean, Chappelle got booed a couple of years ago. Like yeah. no one's immune to bombing. But if I have a bad show, I'm like, oh, there's something good coming up. Yeah. I've just adopted that mindset and I found it to be very helpful in the, uh, pursuing the highs and also dealing with the lows. Right. Do you uh, do you get the meeting somebody for the first time and saying, "Oh, I'm, I'm, what do you do? I'm a comedian." Oh, tell me a joke. <laughs> Every time. Dance monkey. Every time. <laughs> Every, Every time. time you tell someone you're a comedian, that is the next line. Yep. It's kind of like when I was delivering pizzas and I would see someone in the elevator and they're like, "Oh, can I have it?" It's like <laughs> never fails. So, yeah, that's why at my jobs I wouldn't want people to know I was a comedian. Yeah. Because then you're not even a coworker. You're just like, oh, there's the comedian. There's the comedian yeah. who's washing dishes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's I mean, it's it's part of it, but yeah. It used to annoy me and then I talked to a veteran comic about it. And um or people will try to pitch you a joke as well. People are like, Oh, I got uh, one for you. Okay. And that I, I gotta be honest, for anyone who does this to a comedian, it does annoy us. And I would recommend not doing it, but if you can't help it, like if comedians are listening, a mindset I adopted from an older comic is listen anyway, because you never know. They <laughs> may have a gym that you, it may, it may sometimes, cause jokes are, I mean, sometimes you got to pull them by the tail, you know, yeah. and you just, they just, they're fleeting and you got to find them. Right. Sometimes someone telling you something will then spark an idea over here that <laughs> you had. So always listen and always be open-minded to people pitching you jokes but it is it is a daily experience of I got a joke for you or, yeah. or tell me a joke or it's but people are interesting. I mean, it's like sure, it's, it's where jokes come people from. People could right? say yeah. that they don't care or like why? Why are you a comedian? That's dumb. You know, you're not funny. But them saying tell me a joke is at least in the right direction. Right, <laughs> right. I'm. This is just for for my personal benefit. Are you about to ask me? I'm about to, to tell you a joke. Not to tell, to tell me a joke. <laughs> I'm wondering, you know, you talked about everybody bombs. Nobody's immune. Yeah. How many times does a joke have to fall, kind of fall a little flat before you'll move on and, and kind of take that out of the material that you've prepped? Because I know, like, like you're talking about, everything's building blocks, right? You know, mm -hmm. setting up that one-liner, setting up that punchline. Sometimes, like, taking something out of the middle of that you know, foundation that you've built is a tough thing, but if you're going, you know, is it three nights? Is it four nights of telling the same joke and everybody's like, yeah, you know, not quite the reaction you're hoping for before mm -hmm. you pull it from the, pull it from the material. Yeah. That's, that's a great question. And something I ask a lot of the comedians on my show as yeah. well. Cause I'm, I'm always curious about people's process and what their system is. Cause right. even writing, Sometimes you'll write 10 jokes, only one works, or 20 and only one works. So like the, the process is, yeah. it's very tedious and laborious like that. And just like on stage of what works or what doesn't, what I have found, sometimes a joke doesn't work. Maybe I'll try it like 10 times, it doesn't work. 
And then three years later, it all of a sudden connects to this whole other bit over here. Yeah. That uh, I found like a new bit, and then somehow this three-year-old joke now makes sense here, like a puzzle. Sure. So I never just completely will kill material, except for like early stuff that was just like silly and just like uh, one of my favorite sayings is no one can steal you. So like your material, like a lot of my early stuff was silly that anybody could say, but now I like to make sure my material is things that only I could say. Right. And I look for that in other comedians is, oh, that's their point of view and that's something that only they could say. So now you're teaching comedy. Mm-hmm. What led you to the decision to do that, first of all? And what were your first impressions of taking people you know, into a room and saying, all right, I'm going to take this thing that I've done for so many years now and try to somehow translate those experiences? Well, I always knew how I thought about people that talk comedy, and I always thought it was snake oil and just someone trying to just exploit people for being curious about comedy. Right. But. <laughs> Which is a natural thing that would lead you to want to teach comedy. Yeah, I mean, course. it's like I was doing improv and sketch at um, a local theater, Highwire. Okay. And then uh, Ian Covell, the guy who started Highwire, was asking me, he's like, have you ever thought about teaching stand-up? And I was like, oh, well, I've thought about what I think about people that teach it. I've never thought about it. And I thought it was a good opportunity to do it, I won't say the right way, but, I mean, I'm not going to do anything that I don't believe in. Sure. I'm not going to do something just for the sake of, like, money. It's like, oh, I'll, I'll get a leg up here and <laughs> make people think they're good at comedy. No, like, yeah. my biggest compliment I've gotten from my graduates from people in the audience is that everyone had their own unique voice. Like I've heard several people f who have taken other comedy classes as well who are like, I graduated, but then I, I was, I sounded like the teacher, you know, or the teacher wrote most of my material. Like my class is literally, we, we, I mean, we talk about a lot of different things. I give them a lot of different writing techniques and tips and performance cues and all that. But every class, the students are performing. The students are performing every class and then we'll give feedback on their material and how we can improve it as a group. Sure. But it, like I learned growing up in this comedy game, you have to live on stage. That stage performing in front of people is where you learn the craft of comedy. Right. So that's where every class starts is, all right, we'll get up and perform before anything. And then I'll, I'll share everything I've learned the hard way in these classes, but it all has to start with them really meeting me halfway and really taking it seriously. How long have you been doing that now? I think it's, it's been, I think it's been all over three years now. Yeah. Yeah. It started around the same time my podcast did actually. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think visual branding is something that a ton of comedians are concerned with, <sighs> but hot breath and then you know your your personal stand-up joel byers you know you got a, a really slick nice looking website you oh, know thank you yeah man you you're wearing the hot breath swag today <laughs> that obviously has some looking look uh you know some thought put into the look of it mm -hmm. you know how i guess the question is is this something that you that kind of separates you from other comics or did have you had somebody saying hey like invest into you know whether it's a graphic designer or why is that brand uh, become so important to you i i no one advised me to take this route mm -hmm. i just instinctually i was i'm always looking for where i can have a competitive advantage sure and i knew with the podcast i knew okay a lot of comedians have podcasts 
how can mine be different from other people's? Most comedians with a podcast is just them sitting in a room with other comics, just pontificating and talking about their grocery lists and trying to make it funny. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure my podcast wasn't just another comedian podcast. Sure. This is actually an educational platform that, you know, I don't like to listen to podcasts. It's like a waste of time. You know, I like to learn when right. I'm listening. So I want to make sure my podcast expressed Fit that same passion. Yeah. Um, same thing with my website is I noticed I would see a comedian on like Comedy Central and then I'd go look at their website. And I was like, what? What is this on DOS? What, what do they make? They have like nibbles going around. That's, yeah. that's showing my age there, I guess. For is that all... a GeoCities address? They <laughs> <Yeah>. don't <laughs> have that? a website. He has a Zanga. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like wow. follow me on LimeWire. Right. Um, <laughs> so yeah. it was um it was also a conscious decision to make sure that my website was another way that would differentiate me from it. Same thing with like my logo and all that. Sure. Now, and us talking about um the hustle and the grind and having to bootstrap it and figure out a way and early on especially and really not having the funds to, and this is for all young people, like I would say, or people yeah. young in their endeavor is like, if you don't have the money, what else do you have? Yeah. What skill exchange could you do? Or like for me, for example, like this logo, um, a guy, I just, we connected on Instagram like you and I did and yeah. several other people do. Uh, his name's Comedy Artwork. He was a corporate illustrator. And then he was getting, he was a comedy fan, started doing comedy artwork. I caught him super early. Yeah. And then he, he, he designed some logos for me. Now he's doing stuff for like Judd Apatow. Nice. Like it's super quick. So it's cool to see his rise. Sure. Too. But I caught him early and we exchanged like, Hey, I'll shut you out on the podcast. If uh, we do like a logo exchange and nice. things like that. And he's, he's made a couple logos for me like that. So I think it's important for people to think, uh, I may not have the funds, but what do I have? Yeah. Now, this whole concept of, of trading services mm -hmm. can be so valuable in the entrepreneurship world. We've done it a couple times. Yeah. We, did, we did it with Scott, um, mm -hmm. you know, as he helped us with some design work. Uh, you know, we threw some video work his way. So just like having the not, you know, eating your own dog food of being able to, okay, I'll go do some free work for this guy yeah. in exchange for some, some value that he can bring me. Yeah, same thing. My so, website that was built was... Mm -hmm. um, an exchange of services and nice. um the the hot breath my podcast i just launched uh today actually i just launched the podcast website that was an exchange of services nice. with a student of mine as well so awesome. people yeah don't take that for granted like really look for how you can add value to people beyond just monetarily right so that being said i am building a comedy network and I have my brand vision now, but I do need some um, visual identity to come to fruition. So any yeah. graphic designers out there that were looking to collaborate and see how we can work together to help each other grow, I'm game. With his comedy career, podcast, and class schedule in full swing, we asked Joel what was next for all those things. And it's fair to say he has some big goals and dreams still ahead. For Hot Breath, my goal is to be like, pretty much like the how I built this of comedy. Yeah. To be interviewing people like Judd Apatow, like Brian Regan, like like Sinbad, about the craft of comedy, how they got to where they are. Because sure. that's the, people love comedy, but people don't really learn about the behind the scenes as much. Mm -hmm. I want Hot Breath to be that voice. 
and on the website side is a community, like a town square for comedians to come together and for fans to come together and connect with the comedians. But also it'd be a platform for um, comedians to produce specials and really help people, comedians to kind of DIY. Because yeah. with how the internet is, I mean, any, you, if you have the right network you know, and the right team, you can really create your own success now. Right. So that's the hot breath vision. The Joel Byers vision is, it's not as clear, really. I mean, when you say it, I've been putting so much focus on hot breath. I mean, and it's, they're almost, they're almost like the same now in terms of education and entertainment. Sure. But what I'm really building is my own comedy school. You know, I, I worked under Highwire for several years. Love, love that place. I have no hard feelings. We just kind of, we grew, you know, we both were like kind of growing and like, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You do you, you do you. Yeah. So I've grown into now doing my own pretty much like comedy Academy where I'm teaching several like stand up classes where it's right. Stand up writing, stand up performing, stand up business that anybody can take. You don't have to be a comedian, but if you're looking to be a better public speaker or just learn how to write more effectively, because I've done speeches for copywriting classes and gone to different places and helped, companies incorporate comedy into their culture more and the power that that can have as well. Yeah. So it's really just helping people to understand comedy and how they can use it to their advantage, even if they don't want to be a comedian. So if I were to filibuster the Joel Byers pitch, it pretty much is just educating people about comedy while also still learning myself. I'm not a, a hero. I'm literally a guide telling people what I've learned and then I'll come back, learn some more, go back to class, report it, and be like, oh, I learned this this time. But I'm, I'm not omniscient. I'm just like a passionate person that really likes to share my passion with other people. Well, I think that's a good place to, to close and give you the opportunity to tell people where they can find you mm. on, the, uh, on the interwebs or, or how, how is best to contact you. Uh, the best way to contact me... Uh, Text my manager, my wife. Um, let her. <laughs> no, it's, You're um, the first person on this podcast to encourage people to text your wife. <laughs> so I won't never continue. Mind. <laughs> All jokes aside, you can find out more about Joel's comedy career and the classes he offers at joelbyerscomedy.com or follow on social media at joelbyerscomedy. For more information about the Hot Breath Podcast, go to hotbreathpodcast.com and follow on social media at hotbreathpod. Atlanta Born and Brand is a production of Connects Media. We're a full-service digital media company focused on helping small businesses tell their story in the most effective way they can. If you're looking to tell the story of your business, we'd love to help. You can find us at connectatl.com. Special thanks go out to Chris Hilliard, Joshua Pruitt, and our families who make it all possible. Stay tuned to the show for more stories from the city's top startups and small businessmen and women. You can do that by subscribing in Apple Podcasts or wherever else you might happen to be listening. If you like the show, we'd really appreciate a review and a rating. And of course, share it with your friends. Keep up with the show on social media. We're at ATL Born Brand on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. Finally, you can find all the previous episodes of the show on our website, atlborn.com. Hopefully you noticed that this week our credits music is from local artists right here in Atlanta. 
we are happy to present Rashawn's single, Pray For This, off his debut mixtape, No Previews. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see y'all soon. I remember I would pray for this My whole lifetime I couldn't wait for